Welcome. You are listening to a sermon preached at Church at the Armory. If you like what you hear, share it. God bless you. Um, the Lord has absolutely set up this day with something he wants to say. And so I, I really feel like, how many of y'all feel the Holy Spirit in the room? Amen. Okay, good. I really feel like there's an attention, like a, 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 a soberness. Is that a good way to say it? A soberness in the room or an attention to what God is trying to say, that we get the point, we get the message, and that we not only understand what he's trying to say, but we, we get ingrained into our spirit, that we begin as wise men to build our house on the teachings of, of what he is teaching and what he is speaking to us. It's a crazy thing that Israel had so had so formulated an idea, now pay attention here, had so formulated an idea in their minds of who Jesus or the Messiah was that when Messiah came, they couldn't recognize him. We are in grave danger of having formulated in our own hearts, in our own minds, an idea of who God is and what his coming is going to look like that we can miss it when he comes because we're so, we've so built an image of God that isn't one that matches scripture. Um, I hope you brought your steel-toed boots today. Everybody say amen. Not, uh, uh, I just I have this burning message on my heart that's been here for a few weeks, and we're going to talk about it. I did not say a word to the worship team about any of this. So everything they sung they sung this morning was led by the Spirit, and uh, just it just goes beautifully with what the Lord has put in my heart to speak about. I want to share with you what I was going to talk. This was the first thing I was going to say today. Raise your hand if you've ever seen C.S. Lewis uh, read or, or watched the movie C.S. Lewis, The Lion and the Witch in the Wardrobe. Okay, good. I, I was going to start with quoting this one scene to start with. So if you don't know, go watch it later, but if, most of you all know what I'm talking about. Everybody knows who Aslan is, right? Aslan was a what? Lion. Lion. Okay. Who is Aslan, asked Susan. Aslan, said Mrs. Be- Mr. Beaver, while you don't know, he is the king. Amen. Y'all out there? He is the king. He is the lord of the whole wood. But not often here, you understand. Never in my time or my father's time, but the word has reached us that he has come back. Somebody say Maranatha. The one who is returning is a lion, is a king, is a fierce and powerful God who is not weak and who cannot be uh, destroyed, who who won't lose the war. The one we're looking for is powerful. And everybody in the room will agree with their mind and they'll say, yeah, God is powerful, but are we living like, are we understanding and have the full revelation that we serve the God of power? 
that we serve the God who is the king. And his manifestation when he, upon his return isn't the lamb. He was the lamb when he came to be sacrificed. He's coming back as the lion to make war, to judge the nations, and to put everything that was wrong and make it right. Our hearts need to move and shift to a lion mentality. Y'all out there? We need to begin to expect and to see God as not a weak vessel, but as an all-powerful God of the universe who created everything with one word out of his mouth. That's the God we need to have the full revelation of in this season, in this day. I'm going to continue with this, with this verse, or this verse, this quote. Never in my time or my father's time, but the word has reached us that he has come back. He is in Narnia at this moment. He will settle with the white queen, all right. It is he, not you, that will save Mr. Tumnus. So she won't turn him into stone too, said Edmund. Lord love you, son of Adam. What a simple thing to say, answered Mr. Beaver with a great laugh. Turn him into stone? If she can stand on her own two feet and look him in the face, it'll be the most she can do and more than I expect of her. Our God is powerful. Yet we live in a day where Satan is more powerful in our hearts and minds than the God we serve. We ascribe power to Satan all the time. He destroys, he tears down, he disrupts, he brings chaos. He, 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 uh, everything he tries works. Yet to God, we're always in a position of, I wonder if he can come through. I wonder if he will, is powerful enough to overcome the evil that has come into our land, into our Narnia. See, I really am afraid that we have weakened in our own hearts and minds the power of God. And I love what C.S. Lewis said in Allegory. If she can stand on her feet and look him in the eye, I'll be impressed. Why don't we feel that way? Goes on to say, No, no, he'll put all, uh, no, no, he'll put it all to face. It'll be the most she can do and more than I expect of her. No, no, he'll put all to right. As it says in the old rhyme in these parts, wrong will be right when Aslan comes in sight. At the sound of his roar, sorrows will be no more. When he bears his teeth, winter will meet, de meet its death. When he shakes his mane, mane, we shall have spring again. You'll understand when you see him. Here's what we have access by the Spirit. We have access by the Spirit and by faith to see now what is coming. My question is, do you understand who he is? Do you see him rightly? The God of power. The lion. But what, but shall we see him? Asked Susan. Why, daughter of Eve, that's why I brought you here. For I too am leading you where you shall meet him. Is, is he a man? Asked Lucy. Aslan, a man? 
Is he a man that he should lie? Is he a man? Asked Lucy. Aslan, a man? Said Mr. Beaver sternly. Certainly not. I tell you, he's the king of the wood. He's the son of the, gate, the great emperor beyond the sea. Don't you know who is the king of the beasts? Aslan is a lion. The lion. The great lion. Oh, said Susan. I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. That you will. Deary, and no mistake, said Mrs. Beaver, if there's anyone who can appear before Aslan without their knees knocking, they're braver than most or just silly. Then he isn't safe, said Lucy. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Don't you hear what Mrs. Beaver is telling you? Who said anything about being safe? Of course he isn't safe. But he is good. And he is the king. We have taken the God of the universe, the great lion, and we now serve a domesticated cat that is fully safe. And you want to know where signs and wonders and miracles and power is? It's because you can't get power from a domesticated cat. There's no more trembling at his side. We treat the fear of the Lord as if it's something bad. And it's, the, it's one of the only things that the scripture says we have to have to see him. We want a God who's safe. We want a God who provides for us. We want a God who gives us comfort. I'm going to switch stories. I'm going to tell you a different story. I'm, I got lots of scripture I'm going to read at the end, but not right now. This is backwards from what I normally do. Put up, this, uh, put up that picture for me, brother. Everybody ever heard of the man named Timothy Treadwell? I didn't, probably not. Timothy Treadwell loved gri- these grizzly bear- bears, these brown bears. He spent 13 summers camping along the Alaskan grizzly bears at the Katamai National Park in Alaska. This was his mentality after 13 years. Anybody want to know how this story ends? And can anybody guess how this story ends? The story ends with them cutting out his remains out of a dead grizzly bear. Because he had fully convinced himself that his relationship to the great bear was one of friendship. Let me read you some quotes. I will not die at their claws and their paws. I will fight. I will be strong. I will be like one of them. Now slide this into our modern theology. That we can can attain this God-like status because we have such close, intimate relationship with God. Listen, I'm not talking. Listen, y'all need to hear what I say and Holy Spirit filter every word that it comes in rightly and does not distort. But we have such a casual, whole hum uh, 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 relationship with the God of the universe. With the God of all creation. One who is not safe. And when you're in his habitat, he's the king of the woods. 
And we have developed this ho-hum relationship, Chad. Chad, that's the cue, Chad. <laughs> Chad. <laughs> faster, Chad. Faster, Chad. Faster. We've developed this ho-hum relationship with the great grizzly bear. So in the, in the illustration, the rest of the sermon, God's the great grizzly bear. He's the great lion. He's this, look, that doesn't, that's, that, that's not a picture of, of what I'm about to show you. This is majestic, right? Imagine seeing this in the wild and, going, and being at all at the majesty of this creature. This is my point. Everybody look right here. Fewer people are serving this guy now, and a lot of people have, are serving this guy now. Oh, this guy's safe. Y'all don't shout me down Sunday morning. This guy's comfortable. Uh, I, if I'm in this guy's presence... If I'm in this guy's presence up here, I'm continually aware of what he is doing. I can't afford not to be aware of what he is doing. He dictates how the life goes. A continual awareness of what he's doing, how he's acting, how he's moving. Uh, uh, what he's eating, what he's not eating, the, tr the path he travels. Continually aware versus a novelty that we wanted a fair one day that exists in our room and we give very little thought to in case we just need a moment of comfort and relaxation. An afterthought this guy becomes. It's cool in the beginning. It's cool when we first got him, right? But after a while, he just becomes part of the accessories in our room, in our life. Just becomes part of the stuff in our life. And he's not, he's not, he, I don't live for this guy. I don't change my life for this guy. I don't dictate my schedule around this guy. It's cool. It's fun. It's exciting. That guy, I have to, I have to know everywhere he is at all times. That guy's not safe, but that guy's alive. This is an idea. This is a man-made image of who God is that we have created who's completely safe, completely fluffy, and we can cozy up to. And his one purpose in life is to appease our emotions and feelings. This guy, he has a purpose. <laughs> This guy, Mr. Treadwell, that I'm not going to show you a picture of him, especially the after picture, just bad. <laughs> Mr. Treadwell, listen to what he said. I will be a master, a still kind warrior. When he set up camp in the middle of the busy bear trail next to water in the middle of trout spawning season, experts agree that he could, have not, he could not have set up more of a dangerous campsite. And as an expert himself, this had to have been intentional. He believed the bears would not harm him because he thought they were simply his friends. 
that's what they were, this is what he thought of them. God is who the word says he is, but this is what most of us think of him. And then we wonder where power is. Because we've, we've, for lack of a better term, we've emasculated power off of God. This is, this, isn't, this is what the enemy, this is what the spirit of the age, we're talking about the return of Christ, this is what the spirit of the age is doing in our world. It's taking everything created by God to be powerful and emasculating it. Now if you're a man, you're, you're considered toxic. Don't out there this morning. Don't shout me down, right? If you're a man, you're considered toxic because you act like a man. God is not powerful. He's weak. He doesn't exist in most of the world, right? Uh, and, and there's just so much of taking what God created with authority and power, with, with so much, uh, with so much uh, 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 that is alive and vigor, right? And not safe. If you begin to battle a war, Sickness, disease, um, depression, uh, anxiety. If you begin to battle uh, where real enemies start coming against your life, let me ask you a question. Do you want that God to come to you or do you want this God to come to you? So what we've done is we've created a God in our own image that we can approach in our own power. Like I said, if I go to the woods, when I go to this man's territory... I conform my life to his environment. I conform my life to his environment. When I go to this man's territory, I just do whatever with him I please. So, if I feel like hanging out with him, I do it. If I don't, I don't. If I feel like going to church, I do it. If I don't, I don't. If I feel like reading the word, I do it. If I don't, I don't. I feel like giving an offering, I do it. If I don't, I don't. If I feel like serving somebody else, I do it. I don't, I don't. If I feel like forgiving, if I feel like doing what the word says, I do it. If I don't, I don't. Why? Because I'm not conforming my life to this thing. This thing is powerless. But see, every aspect of my life when I'm in his territory, every move I make is with thought with what he's doing. Where was he? Where is he going? What's his appetite like right now? What's he? What's he? Uh, what's got his attention right now? Is it trout? Is it berries? Is it hibernation? Is it procreation? What? What? What is it? What's on this guy's mind? That's what's on my mind. Whatever's on his mind better be on my mind because I can't afford not to think like he thinks. But see, we don't. We don't think that way anymore. We we live in this guy's world. He exists to comfort me. Rather than I was born to be a part of his wild creation. Untamed wild wilderness. Convinced that bears were his friend, he ditched his bear spray and opted not to set up an electric fence. They'll go, when they go on these excursions, they'll set up this little portable electric fence and they'll have bear spray, right? 
That's the, that's the most humane methods of keeping the bears away, right? And, and, and if they hear the bears coming, you know, they might blow a horn or they might, you know, shoot them with some bear spray or the fence will let it, let, you know, deter them from coming up. He had, he, had no, uh, he had no apparatus for, for um, he had no apparatus for signaling the bear's presence because in his mind, he can go in and out of this bear's presence at will any way he wishes because there because it was just a, a casual relationship with something that was fierce and powerful. Two days before his body was found. He wrote in his diary, we made the best friggin' choice of our lives. (laughs) Once the rain settled down, boy, it was amazing out there. Listen to what he said. I'm in love with my animal friends. I'm in love with my animal friends. The problem with his definition of love is it removed all awe and fear and reverence out of his heart. Listen to what the guy that found him, Sam Egley, one of the men who was part of the team that retrieved Treadwell and Huguenard, his girlfriend's remains, which, by the way, this is the problem with this this greasy grace theology and and this kind of mentality is that we, we like to bring everybody else into it. Um, but this is what he says. He says, um, he suspects Treadwell, listen, was too detached from the truth about how bears exist in the wild. Too detached from the truth about what they're really like. Too detached from the truth about he's a lion who's king of the woods and king of the, and king of the universe. And he's not just, is there a time when he's our friend? Absolutely. But he's not just our, but my relationship to him is not buddy. I don't don't want it to be buddy. I want to serve a fierce king who can turn everything that's wrong and make it back into right. I want to serve a God with power. I've got friends. I need God. In my life. I think Treadwell thought these bears. Listen to this. Listen to this. Um, I think Treadwell thought these bears were big, scary looking, harmless creatures. That he could go up and pet and sing to. And they would bond as children of the universe. I think he lost sight. I think he lost sight of what was really going on. You know, when the angels who are encircling God's throne right now, that the reason they can't sing anything other than holy is because every time they open their eyes, they see something that drives them back, their face back to the ground, and only one word can come out of their mouth holy. And I often wonder sometimes when we're singing what we're singing 
because I don't think what we're singing and what we're seeing is matching up. According to biologist Vic Barnes, this behavior was nothing short of pure stupid, is what he writes. He believed Treadrail wasn't really documenting bear behavior in a meaningful way. Rather, listen to what I'm saying right now. Rather, he was obsessed with his own personal relationship with them. In other words, what he's saying is he wasn't approaching the bears on his terms. He was approaching the bear terms. He was approaching the bears on his terms. He was worried about his uh, relationship to the bear and not the bear's relationship to him. He was, he, his, his mindset was, uh, how can I convince the bear? Not, what has the bear shown me that convinces me of everything? See, when we see him, when we, when we rightly see God, no one can change your mind. To illustrate this point, this is what he said. He believed that bears identified the smell of people with dangerous poachers. No, it's got an I-N-G at the end. Mythologizing. Mythologizing. Mythologizing his role in rewriting. Listen to me. Listen to me. Mythologizing his role in rewriting the narrative of the grizzly bear. This is what we've done. This is what we have done as modern Christianity is we mythologized the role and we've rewritten the role of who God is and this is what we've come out with and that's what he was always in. That's, that's, I mean, he's the God of the wild. He's the God who's not safe. He's the God that with one, one whisper of his voice, light flooded the universe and everything started snapping into place and we've made him into this. Oh, Teddy. How can, this was the question he had two days before he died. How can I communicate to him that I am his friend that everybody else is his enemy? He wasn't worried about approaching the bear on the bear's terms. He wanted to rewrite the terms for himself. Newsflash. God is God. We are not. We don't approach God on our terms. He allows us to approach him on his terms. Uh, I, I, got, I started thinking about the people that was going to run up to me after I got through preaching this and say, well, you know, the scripture says this and the scripture says that. And then somebody, inevitably, somebody's going to say, well, yeah, but we can go boldly before the throne of grace. There's a reason they had to tell us that. The reason they had to tell us it's okay to boldly go before the throne of grace because no man would go there uh, flippantly on his own because he, because A, you just couldn't. Like the writer Hebrews is telling us it's okay to go into his presence with some boldness and grace. It's okay because our hearts naturally would go, no, 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 no. What I see is not safe to approach. So somebody had to say it's okay to go there. So the very nature of saying that is saying that he's God. He's not this. He is that. And this has no power. 
That's fierce. That's powerful. That's when you see it in its, in, its, in its natural beauty and surrounding and how it's intended to be created. When you see that in, his, in all his majesty, I mean, the, the words of English language cannot describe its intensity, its power, its majesty. It causes our heart to go, whoa. Is God wowing us anymore? Oh, but he's safe. He loves me. Good guy. See what I'm saying? We've, we've so adapted this idea that we can do whatever we want and he understands because he's a teddy bear that we do whatever we want and believe he actually understands. Well, he understands if I don't forgive that person because he knows how they hurt me. What are you doing with this guy? Or are you doing with that guy? Well, he understands how, fill in the blank, whatever we're giving ourselves permission to exist in that's contrary to his word, we're telling ourselves over and over and over, it's okay, he understands. Because we turn God into the guy who understands everything rather than the guy who demands that we conform our lives to him. Are y'all out there? So I got one passage of scripture and I'll be done. No, I won't. It's only 11.20, okay? I got one passage of scripture. Malachi chapter 1. Take down the bear. People don't like it yet. This is tough. Israel went through this. A son honors his father and a servant honors his master is how, is how it would read. Y'all up there? A son honors his father, and a servant honors his master. Then if I am father, where is my honor? And listen to me. In this room, before we even read any more text, some of y'all are saying in your mind already what they said. If I'm master, where is my respect? Yes, God, absolutely expects honor and respect to him due by us. Where do, we, where do we turn God into such a teddy bear that we don't have to, I don't honor this, I don't respect this. This is not respectable. Lion God, grizzly bear God, yeah, yeah, I, I respect that. This is what people are already saying, even probably some of the people in this room in your mind. Says the Lord of hosts to you, O priests who despise my name, but you say, how have we done? How? Of course I respect you. I honor you. You're already trying to figure out, well, how do I not? We say it with our lips. What is the number one thing God keeps telling him? You say it with your mouth, but your heart's far from it. Next verse, please, verse 7. You are presenting defiled food upon my altar. You say, how have we defiled you? In that you say the table of the Lord is to be despised. Keep on going. Verse 8. But when you present the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? In other words, look at me. When, we, when, when you go before God in your private time, here on a Sunday morning, on a Wednesday night, when you come before God, you come as if you're approaching Him, half-hearted, 
Are you fully engaged as if you're walking into the presence of the King of Kings? Or are we, well, I got some stuff I need to talk to you about. This guy's really bothering me. Right? Y'all out there this morning? When you present the lame and sick, is it not evil? In other words, when you come and approach me, are you bringing the very best that you have? Not talking about material possessions in, 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 in the New Testament. We're talking about right here. Are you fully in love with all your heart, all your strength, all your soul, and all your mind? Are you bringing everything in here and bringing it before him? Which would be the natural response if we really saw him anyway. Or are you just kind of going through the ritual, playing the game? I know i got to bring some offering, but I don't have to bring my best offering. I ain't even talking about money right now. I will. I ain't talking about money right now. I'm talking about your heart. I'm talking about right here. When's the last time you wept in his presence? When's the last time you had to hunger for his word? When's the last time you felt the weight of his thoughts on your heart? When's the last time you, you, you cried? And, and when's the last time you, that he dictated your emotions rather than you bringing un, unrighteous emotion and hoping he can find a fix them for you? When's the last time his presence made you feel rather than bringing feelings to his presence? Is this not evil, he says? Why not offer it to your own governor? Why not take your earthly king? Uh, would, you, would he be pleased with you? Or would he receive you kindly? Let's keep moving. No, I'm, I'm going to stop right there for a second. Do, I'm going to say something political, and I'm not talking about politics. So whether you, what, what, no matter what you think about this guy, I don't really care. That's not the point right now. But if Donald Trump walked through the back door and come and stood at this pulpit, I was going to do an impersonation, and then I thought, let's not do that. <laughs> the Holy Spirit came and rescued me. Or your favorite president, I don't care, came and stood at this pulpit. There would be nobody in this church who calls their church home if I announced it who wouldn't come. There would be nobody who wouldn't try to have a front row seat. Wouldn't be nobody who was completely locked in. Wouldn't be nobody who would give him honor and respect. We would stand up when he stands up. We'd sit down when he sit down. But when the God of the universe meets us every week, I can say that because that's exactly what he just said. Why don't you go to your own governor and take him a half-hearted offering and see how that goes? So I'm not saying anything extra biblical. I'm literally just using the example of Malachi here. Verse 9. But now will you not entreat God's favor that he may be gracious to us? With such an offering on your part, will he receive any, any of you kindly? Says the Lord of hosts, next verse, verse 10, verse 10, brother. Oh, that there were one among you, listen to me. I do not mean this literally for our church, but this is what Malachi says, instructed by the Holy Spirit, prophesying. I wish somebody would shut the doors on this place. 
Oh, that there be one among you who would shut the gates that you, that you might not uselessly kindle fire on my altar. But you wouldn't come in here and just play games. He said, I wish there was one priest who would shut the doors on the church because all you do is come and play games. You, you're making a show for nothing. I'm not, look, <laughs> I'm saying this is where we don't want to be. Somebody say amen. Everybody calm down for a second, okay? But I'm, saying, I'm not saying we're shutting the doors. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is God would rather have shut doors than empty hearts. He'd rather have shut doors to the building where we didn't even play the game than he would to have come in here and just do this half-hearted thing where we give him blind offerings and give him the leftover thoughts and the leftover parts of our day. And yeah, we'll come to church if I've got nothing else scheduled and, and I'll give if I've got enough money and if I've paid all my other bills. And if there's no sense that he's the God of the king of the universe, he gets the first of everything from here to all this. You haven't heard this sermon in a while. That's my fault. Says the Lord of hosts, nor will I accept an offering from you. Verse 11. For from the rising of the sun, even to its setting, the name of the Lord will be great among the nations. That's what we want. All over the world, listen to me, all over the world, there's pictures of grizzly bears standing in rivers in Alaska snatching up trout because it invokes the attention of every human whether they've never seen one or not. This is just common and they're thrown away in a dumpster every day. And we've made God so common. We've, take, we've taken all the majesty off of him. All the glory, all the awe, the splendor, the fear, the reverence, the, the wow. The, the, we, we, we flip it. We, I cannot walk into this God's presence and walk into that God's presence the same way. It's different. He's God. In every place, incense is going to be offered to my name. And grain offering that is pure. It's like Jesus said in the Beatitudes, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. For my name will be great among the nations. Mr. Treadwell wanted to be famous himself for making friends with bears. That was never the point. Look at me, that's not the point of the gospel. The point of the gospel is to make the name of God great all over the entire world. All over all the earth, his name shall be lifted up, his name shall be great. The people don't go, wow, look how cool of a relationship Chester has with God. They go, wow, look at God. Verse 12, but you are profaning it in that you say the table of the Lord is defiled and as for its fruit, its food is to be despised. Verse 13, keep on going, brother. You also say, my, <laughs> if I've heard this, listen to me, if I've heard this once, I've heard it a million times. Look at me, church. Look at me, church. How tired am I? You say how tiresome it is and you disdainfully sniff at it, says the Lord of hosts. And you bring what was taken by robbery and what is lame or sick. So you bring the offering. Should I receive that from your hand? You ask people, why aren't you engaged in God? I'm just wore out. 
Is that not what we all say in the room? I'm just tired. Why aren't you praying as if, you're, as if you have a relationship with the God of the universe? Man, I'm just, I got this and this and this and I'm tired. Why aren't you in the Word? I'm, I'm tired. It's, it's work to be in His presence. It always has been. It always will be. It always costs you something. But He's God. Verse 14, but cursed be the swindler who is a male in his flock and vows it, but sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord, for I am the great king. In other words, he says, if you have it in you to give him their best, I'm talking about your heart right now, but you don't, then you don't know him as great king. You know this guy, right? This is literally, I was at uh, the South Arkansas th Together thing, right, on the last night, and the Bryants were behind me, and the Lord had been laying this message on my heart, and I said, I need a big teddy bear. And Katie goes, oh, I got one. I said, is it big? She goes, Yeah. First person I asked had giant six-foot-tall teddy bear. So that's the Lord orchestrating this day. You better listen. Is he safe? No. Is he good? He, this is where we've gone wrong. We think in order to be good, you have to be safe. I go back to this. Nobody in this room thinks that Satan's not powerful. Nobody believes that. He invokes this kind of uh, attention. Right? If you walk into my house and I've got tarot cards sitting on the, uh, the, the, the table there, you're going to go, <laughs> right? Because immediately when you see something associated with the occult, you'll go, that, there's power in that stuff. And we have more soberness and awareness of the power of Satan. Y'all out there? Because we've turned the God of the universe into this guy. In our mind, Satan never loses. Like, he never fails at being powerful. But in our minds, God always, we're always hoping God will come out and be powerful. Because we've taken the God of the universe and we've, we've made him approachable on our terms. Is God approachable? Yes. On his terms. On his terms. I'm almost done. I just had to put in this one more verse. Anybody want to guess what it is? It's Malachi chapter 3. Throw it up there, brother. Because in the same conversation, in the same conversation Malachi is having about, I am the great king of the universe. And what you're bringing me is not right. Your heart, your sacrifice. He also says this, will a man rob God? This sermon ain't about tithes, even though I'm going to talk about it for a second. This sermon is not about tithes. This sermon is how do we see God? Will a man rob God, yet you're robbing me. But you say, how? How am I robbing you? 
tithes and offerings. Y'all hear that book drop? Because it's quiet in here. (laughs) You're cursed with the curse. That's Old Testament. You can never find me a point in the Bible where the, where, the, where, where the scripture says this has stopped. Matter of fact, I believe that he just upped the ante. You're cursed with the curse for you're robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. And test me. Why? Why is he okay with saying test me? Because he's a God of power. And he's a God who has the ability to pass the test. Y'all out there? He has the ability to pass the test. He doesn't fail at the test. It's funny. If Satan himself stood up here and said, test me, nobody would do it because you'd think he would pass the test. Yet God can stand up and say, test me. And we'll go, yeah, okay. We'll just see. You know, I mean, we've got this flippant mentality because we've turned God into a teddy bear. See if I won't open up for you the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing until it overflows. Why? Because God has power. He can take, he can take resources from another dimension and he can flood them into your life. Tithing and giving will absolutely change your life. Test him, he says. Either, only way it doesn't work, which I don't even think this is true, but I'm going to say it. Only way it doesn't work is because you believe this about him. But if you believe he is who he says he is, then his promise will work out. But I've never seen my children, what? Or their offspring. Well, I know it says never, but there was this one time. See, we don't do that kind of stuff to Satan, do we? We never tell Satan, well, there's this one time when you failed, but we do that stuff to God all the time because we've turned him into a teddy bear. See if I'm going to open up a door for you in the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. Verse 11, then I'll rebuke the devourer. And if you don't think that he's powerful enough to took the devourer and say, you get off this boy. You get off this family. You get off this girl. I I rebuke you, Satan. If God of the universe looked at Satan and said, I rebuke you, then he's like like Mr. Beaver said, if she can stand on her own two feet in his presence, I'll be impressed. Do you believe that? Do you believe that about God? Do you believe that he's so powerful he can rebuke the devourer and the devourer actually leave you alone? And if you do, Faith without works is. So that I will destroy the fruit of the ground. I will not destroy the fruit of the ground, nor the vine in your field. Cast it to grapes, says the Lord of hosts. Verse 12. All the nations will call you blessed, for you shall be a delightful land. Says the Lord of hosts. Verse 13. Your words have been arrogant against me, says the Lord. I'm praying the Holy Spirit actually convict all of us in this room where we've been arrogant, telling God how he moves and how he acts and how he responds. Because I can look this guy in the face all day, and I can tell him every thought that I have, and he'll just lay there and take it. But go nose to nose with the grizzly. 
don't nose nose with the grizzly. And see if he doesn't look at you and say, am I a man that I would lie? Your words have been arrogant against me, says the Lord. Yet you say, what did I say? See, what did I say? Like, it's like fighting with my wife. She'll say, you said this, like, what did I say? With this little head wag thing, right? What did I say? And then she tells me, I'm like, well, you heard it wrong. Verse 14, you have said, you have said, it's vain. Just doesn't work like it used to. I've tried and I've tried. It just doesn't seem like it's working for me. There's vanity in it. You have said it's vain to serve God. And what profit is it that we have kept his charge, that we've walked in mourning before the Lord of hosts? This sermon's not about money. This sermon's about what do you believe about God? Imagine being Isaiah in the spirit on the Lord's day. And his glory comes in the room. By the way, we're always talking about God's glory coming, but many, 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 many times when the glory of God came, it was not a pleasant experience for the people who were in the room. Do you want his glory? I do. If there's something in me that needs to be shifted, God, come shift it. Y'all out there? When the glory came and it filled the temple on the Lord's day, and Isaiah hit his knees and says, Woe is me, for I'm a man of unclean lips. God could have asked him for anything, and Isaiah would have done it. Right? He could have asked him for anything, and Isaiah would have done it. Right? Literally, before God even asked, he says, here I am, whatever you need, send me. I am literally at your disposal. This right here isn't me trying to adapt my heart to you. This right here is whatever you need, I'm here. Whatever you want, you're God. Whatever you say, it's yes, sir, amen. Right? There's lots of things God wants from us. Lots of things. All the things he wants from us are proof that the heart sees him rightly. For where your treasure is your... The number one thing he wants from you today is your heart. And my simple question to you, throw up Mr. Grizzly Bear... Wish I had beside him a fierce lion to put up, Aslan. My question to everybody in this room, my question to Chester's heart, is who, do I'm, who am I serving? Who do I see? Do I see the great king? Do I see the God who spoke the worlds into existence? Do I see the God who raised a man who had been dead for four days and called him out of a tomb with three words? Do I see a man who could walk across the water in the middle of a lightning storm? 
Do I see the man who can himself lay down his life and have the power in it laid down to take it back up again? Who do I serve? Do I serve the God of power? Or have I created God in my own image? Oh, he's easily approachable. Right? Yeah, bring that up here, Danny. No coincidence, Renee put this in the foyer a few weeks ago. Bring it up here, Danny. You and Chad are all slow. There's that guy. Remember one time, my parents, my, my mom's parents died at uh, 10, 12, and, and uh, 14 years old. Because when she went to live with her grandparents, the grandfather died. Cancer, heart disease. So she's always had this underlining thing. I'm going to die young. My parents died, right? And it's been about 20 years ago. She called and she got it. They had seen a, a spot. And they didn't know if it was cancer or not. And she called me in distraught and tears. I'm, I, they, they found something. I need you to pray. Went up to the church in the middle of the night, locked myself in the church, and I began to cry out to God. Do I believe that my prayers healed her that night? I actually do. If that makes me arrogant, I don't know what to say about that, but I actually do. When those types of moments come into your life, do you want to have been serving this guy? Or do you want to come to the, <laughs> yeah, or do you want to come and do you want to come and get this guy's eyes in your eyes? And do you want to go, I need to hear what sounds like the rushing of mighty waters coming out of your mouth as you speak and roar over this situation. In an attempt to make God super approachable, we've made him powerless. And when we need him, we don't have anything. And the simple answer is this. It's the hard answer, it's the, but, it's not, it, but it is a simple answer. When I come to him, I conform to his, his, his territory, his environment. But see, I don't have to conform whenever it's this guy. He gets to exist in my room. You won't find this guy or that guy in my room. You'll find this guy in my room. And we can snuggle. I'm not trying to be funny. I'm really not. I'm just saying that. That's what we've turned God into. Snuggle buddy. And yeah, there's some times I want to I lean into his mane, right? And there's some times like John, a lover of God, I want to lean against his breath. That's okay. But I'm telling you, I don't need a perpetual snuggle buddy. I need the God of the universe. And I'm not looking for this guy to come back on a white horse. Now the cry of man, not the, isn't the snuggle buddy of the universe coming and making everybody feel all gooey inside. The cry of man, not the, is that this guy comes and sets everything wrong, right. And why does he? Because he can. Because he can. Because he's powerful. He's not weak. He can wipe away abortion with one swipe of his sword. He can take every injustice and every sin and every wrong and every sickness and every disease and with one swipe of his sword, he can lay them to waste because he is God. 
And he's been that way from Genesis chapter 1 to Revelation chapter 21. But somehow in, in our craziness, we've turned him into this. And I don't want it no more. I don't want it. I want the God who answers by fire. Oh, your God must be taking a pee break right now. My God answers by fire. Hell, hell, lion of Judah. Let the lion roar. Seems a little different now, don't it? Seems a little different now, doesn't it? Stand up on your feet. Just set it right there. and Yeah, that'd be perfect. Thank you, man. Thank you, Dan. That's a good idea. Good idea, Renee. Both times. The people that make church at the armory we might be known for lots of things in this town there's one thing I want us to be known for that they serve a God of power when they pray to their God he comes and when he speaks everything changes I am not telling you to be afraid of God, to be scared of God. I am telling you to walk in a way, to walk in a manner that is worthy of your calling. I am telling you that how I walk is dictated by him and not by me. That's a man-made image. That's the God of the universe. You hear what I'm saying? So, Father God, it is my prayer today that you would forgive me and forgive this church because we've made you into something that we like that we think we needed. May we, according to Romans chapter 12, be conformed to the image of God. Be transformed by the renewing of our minds. May we see you rightly. May we understand that when Paul said that we would have a revelation of love, that he said that you'd have the revelation of the power of love. May the God of power, may the God of majesty and power and kingship, may the one who is returning be revealed in our hearts before he returns. Where we've taken 
your word too casually and your presence too casually, God, instill a soberness back into your body. God, that sober mentality, that sober spirit was something you instructed in the early church. And may we in the, in the last days, church, have a sense of soberness again about, about when you're with us or actually when we're with you. So God, I pray that you would move in our hearts. I pray that you would make us see you correctly, make us see you rightly. Teach us, just like in that story, as if we're little children again, about the great king, the great lion. May we walk from this place forward into our tomorrows. serving an untamed, powerful, mighty God. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you.